The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jalinch. Together, we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your addiction recovery journey. Facebook users, you could send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, Doing the Work. Many gifts of addiction recovery come to us when we are willing to work for them. Part of that work is facing the wreckage of our past. To do so, we must combine right intention with the guidance of a trusted advisor in order to get real results. We must do the work. But how do we go about doing this work? Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on finding our way from complacency to freedom through the willingness to do the work. So we want to share with you today what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with the spiritual tools or principles that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in our experience that'll be helpful to you in your own recovery. So today we're going to be talking about moving from complacency to freedom through the spiritual principle, which is the willingness to do the work. When I think about what complacency looked like, that one's pretty easy. And and some of the stuff gets mixed up. You know, some of it is when I think back is really just part of, you know, my personality. And some of it was, um, you know, related to addiction or you know, I'd, I'd heard the I'd heard the goofy phrase "proto alcoholic." So before I <laughs> arguably was an alcoholic, I was a proto alcoholic. I was on my way. You know, the signs were there, but arguably it didn't uh, it didn't go go over the line yet. But in general, so complacency to me, what what did that look like? And sometimes it still does. Um, generally, avoiding anything that could be avoided. Yeah. You know, I know people that sort of look at life like, well, if I could get it done now, I'm going to do it now. And I took sort of the complete opposite view. It's like, well, if I don't have to do it now, then I'm not going to do it now. 
you know, knowing that things would uh, work out fine or trusting that somehow things would work out fine. But I know that I just, you know, I value uh, downtime. I value alone time. I value um, time that's not structured. You know, it's like I don't have oh, to be yeah. here at this time. And then at that time, I got to go there. And then I got to do this and I got to do that. I can absolutely do those things. And I do them almost every day. But I really value a uh, time where I'm not, I don't have, um, you know, calendar appointments or things that must get done. It's not that I don't do anything. It's, it's that I feel a lot freer, you know, there's a lot more freedom yeah. in it, but for me, complacency meaning, you know, I think our intention with that is to mean not doing the work, being complacent, lazy in a sense is that if I could avoid something, I would go ahead and avoid it. Yes. So there is a lot of work, obviously, involved in recovery. There's a lot that must be done, and it's not easy work to do. And uh, I think that I had a lot of um, fear of of facing thing, certain things about myself. I mean, I was quite young. I didn't have a lot of, you know, the typical wreckage of, you know, I didn't have financial wreckage. I didn't have legal wreckage. Um, mine was much more interpersonal, you know, friendships and relationships and such where I probably could have behaved quite a bit better. But there, I had so much shame wrapped up in um, my own behavior that it was very hard for me to begin to unpack all of that. You know, I, I, that's part of my drinking was if I drink, I don't have to feel bad about myself. It sort of would take the edge off of, and, and, and so certainly there were some things that I did that weren't the best. I wasn't always as nice to people as I could have been. Um, I wasn't always the best, you know, girlfriend, daughter, whatever, but I mean, I didn't do these like horrendous things. It was, it was more had to do with these, um, really deep, deeply ingrained feelings about myself, not being good enough, not being lovable, not being worthy, um, that created all the shame. It's not like I had a whole lot to be really ashamed about. I was just a very shame based person, just basically always feeling, um, like there was something, not good about me. And so I've had to do a lot, a lot of work around that. But the shame itself kept me from being able to see some of the things that maybe I did need to make amends for, you know what I mean? Because I had, I had sort of protected myself from them. And so that whole process really for me took time, took a lot of time and self love and beginning to unpack those feelings about myself not being good enough to be able to even start to see what was there that I needed to make amends for. Does that make sense? It's like, it totally. Yeah. yeah, it does. Because, you know, the, the things that I need to make amends for are exactly the things that I don't really feel like looking at, you know, yeah. almost by definition, exactly. if I need to make amends, then that means my behavior was bad. If my behavior was bad, hopefully, I mean, you're, you're describing it and I feel the same way. I feel bad about that. Yeah. You know, I don't want to go around being a heel or, or a jerk or unkind or whatever it is right. that I might describe my uh, bad behavior. So yeah, I mean, I don't want to look at that stuff. I don't want to look at that stuff e either. No. Um, when I think about being complacent, I talked about avoiding what could be avoided and 
there's a type of laziness in there, but if, if you're listening to this and, and you feel like you're lazy or someone's telling you that you're lazy, tell them that you're not lazy, you're efficient. That was the workaround. <laughs> I, I, I came up with that. I'm not lazy, I'm efficient. <laughs> you know, there's, it's funny because it's true. There's a grain of truth to it. I mean, I can both, I can definitely be lazy and efficient. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so there's your out. If you find yourself being lazy or being accused of being lazy, say, I'm not lazy, I'm efficient. I just get <laughs> things done with the minimal amount of effort. I'm like yeah. a cat. I'm like yeah. a cat in the way I move around. No wasted motion. Yeah. At all. Um, but, you know, complacency, <laughs> I'm joking, but now, you know, laziness, absolutely part of it. Just laziness simply meaning not not being willing to jump up and do what needed to be do done right. rather, but uh, looking at what needed to be done and saying, does this really need to be done? What yeah. would happen if I didn't do this? Yeah. And there's, <laughs> you know, there's some upside to that kind of questioning. I think it's a reasonable question to ask. We don't want to just always keep forever doing what we used to do just because we think we have to do it. It's reasonable to ask, why am I doing this? How does this fit in my life? Is this right for me to do? I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about stuff like, yeah, I know I should be doing this, yeah. but I don't feel like doing it, so I'm not going to do it. So yeah. that kind of uh, laziness, even I would have trouble arguing that that was efficiency. So I definitely have some of that going on in my life. One, you know, one example is uh, stuff not getting done around the house. Mm -hmm. You know, if you yeah. own a house... Uh, and even if you don't, even if you're renting, I mean, maybe cleaning needs to be done. Maybe something needs to be taken to the cleaner. Maybe you really need to get to the grocery store. Um, you know, if I own a house, man, I really need to paint that thing. I really need to patch that other thing. I really need to call a plumber about the third thing. You know, all these things that really ought to be done, yeah. um, not doing them. And so that's a and again, that's not efficiency, right? That's just simply preferring drinking over taking <laughs> care of business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, you know what I'm thinking about, and I totally relate to that. I There are many things that I definitely am complacent about, and I would even go so far as to say procrastinate on. And what I'm learning, because I can really shame myself over that too, you know, I can let that dust bunny sit in the corner for three years like we've named it and put you know a outfit on it it's been there <laughs> so long you know but what I've learned is that I have anxiety like sort of a chronic uh you know more or less low grade free-floating anxiety that has been with me my whole life but I didn't know what it was that's the worst and so yeah, I've learned that these things that I'm avoiding, there's a reason why I'm avoiding them. And it's not laziness because I can bring tremendous energy to doing things that I want to do or things that are not as anxiety ridden for me. Um, but the things that I'm avoiding, I'm learning and I'm learning to just be more mindful of this, that there's a reason why I'm avoiding it. My dog has got this horrible cough and we've been talking about taking him to the vet for weeks. And I don't know why I can't get myself to take the dog to the vet, but it's starting to occur to me that I'm afraid to find out what it is because I love my dog to pieces okay. and I'm scared to death to find out there could be something wrong with him. And so my protection mechanism goes, well, just don't take him to the vet. You know, I do the same thing with my own health. It's like, <laughs> no, oh, you know, 
I have this thyroid condition and I am really supposed to be on top of it. And I more or less am, but sometimes I'm avoiding going to the doctor because I'm afraid they're going to tell me it's gotten worse or that I'm sick or that, you know, it's just, there's reasons why I'm avoiding certain things. Right. And it has to do with fear and anxiety and like, I won't be able to handle this. And so if I just don't go there and I don't know about it, it's not real or I'm not ready to deal with it yet, you know, but that can sometimes get me into a lot of trouble. Uh, Believe me, I understand. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, I can't have cancer without a diagnosis. Exactly. it It helps me sort of have a little more compassion for myself that I'm not lazy. There are things that are really hard to face and really hard to deal with. And if I have a lot of other anxiety producing things going on in my life, maybe that protection mechanism is there for a reason. Cause that diagnosis okay. of my dog could be the thing that puts me over the edge today and I can't deal with it. So yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. I really, I really feel what you're, what you're sharing. And I absolutely know that there's a lot to that. There's a lot to it. That's yeah. like, I don't want to know yeah. because I don't know what I would do. Yeah. If I did know, I'm, I'm afraid. Yep. Basically that's how I feel. So my yeah. next example, and I don't know that it rises to this level, but the, another kind of thing that I could put off is car repair, like changing the oil. It's like, well, it's not over. It's not that oh, much God. overdue. Yep. The well, last time I went this far, no, they didn't say anything. So it, it must didn't blow up. <laughs> right. It didn't <laughs> blow up yet, you know, just because that's that's a good example of the kind of thing I really don't enjoy having on my to-do list is go get the oil changed. Yeah. I'm pretty good about it. You know, uh, between uh, my spouse and I, we have two cars. And in general, she, she gets the oil changed in the one she drives all the time. And I get it changed in the one I drive all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm grateful Um, that I'm not doing both of them, but it's not my favorite thing. And Uh, I will put it off a little bit, but now that I've been sober a while, I, I, I get to it because the, the price, the cost, if you will, of not doing it now feels higher than it, than it used to another, you know, a gift of sobriety. Damn it. Now I can access things. <laughs> I, in a way, I liked it better that you know there was what do we, there's just no problem that taking a drink won't make it worse. Well, before in my life, there was no problem that taking a drink couldn't make it better. Yeah, that's right. At least make it go away for a while. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we got to shift gears here and get out of the problem as we always do, as we have yeah. learned in our recovery. Uh, we want to acknowledge the challenge, but not stay in it. So uh, we've talked a lot about complacency, even trying to get out of it by calling it efficiency. But it's <laughs> it's time to get into the solution. So, Michelle, what is the solution today? Oh, well, in Unity, as you know, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. And so the spiritual principles that we bring to bear on this particular uh, I guess we could call it character defect or issue of complacency and that help us move into freedom. It's sort of a kind of a combination of the power of faith and the power of strength. So talking about the unity 12 powers. So faith is knowing that it will all work out, right? That eventually it will somehow work out and strength is that ability to keep on going and until it does to sort of keep on getting up and doing the deal 
So today we're calling that combination of faith and strength, the willingness to do the work. But what exactly might that look like? I mean, I like the idea of having the willingness to do the work, but I'm not sure that I always do have the willingness to do the work. Michelle, that especially I know for me early in sobriety, that would have been a confusing concept. Someone said, do you have the willingness? I'd be like, sure, w whether I did or not, because I didn't right. really know what I was getting into. But, you know, what would you, what does that mean for you? What does willingness to do the work look like in your life? I mean, there's so many facets of this. Like, first of all, you know, the willingness to get into recovery and to show up at a meeting and to take that first step and to, you know, to sort of commit our lives to this recovery program. That's, you know, that took a huge amount of willingness. So um, let's give ourselves credit for that part of it. Um, then when it comes down to the actual nitty gritty of doing all the work, you know, there's there's things that are easier to do and there's things that are harder to do you know there's work and then there's work you know so i had a lot of willingness i was very willing to show up at meetings to you know get involved to get a sponsor um i had a lot of willingness that the the good girl in me sort of kicked in and i was like well this is what they say i have to do so i'll just do it you know <laughs> and i did all those things um and those things are important. All of those things lay the groundwork for our recovery, you know, um, just the getting the the willingness to take on this new life that involves going to meetings and, you know, working the program and working the steps, et cetera. But then there comes the the real difficult things that sooner or later we bump up against these things that, you know, we sort of cleared away a lot of the minor stuff and then it's like okay now here's the real big stuff and for me I wasn't gonna really look those things square in the face and really do that hard work until I absolutely had to and luckily because I believe that spirit and the universe whatever is working always in my favor and working to help me on my growth uh, process and on this spiritual path, the universe would just start putting those things in my face, those spiritual two by fours, you know, where you really don't have a choice whether to work on it anymore. It's like looking you square in the eyes and you got to deal with it. And life just kept giving me those circumstances over and over where I um, didn't have a lot of choice, but to finally face the things that were really the big things for me, the really tough things. So what I'm trying to say is that for me, pain was the motivator. I had to get in enough pain to be willing to look at some of the really, really tough stuff. And, you know, if that's the way it's going to work for me, then the universe goes, okay, here you go. You know, it's like, I'm not going to change those really tough things until it becomes too painful not to, if that makes sense. Uh, that makes total sense because that's a <laughs> wonderful way to say what I feel like I was the way I was living my life. That's complacency. Yeah. Right. That in an, that's that's it in in a phrase, and I'm I'm right there with you. You know, when I think about what willingness to to do the work means, and and um, I appreciate how you just shared that as we walk this path, it shifts and changes, yeah. even though the principles are the same like willingness to show up, willingness to do the work. The work 
shifts and changes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and I know for me at first, the willingness to do the work literally simply meant suit up and show up yeah. at a meeting. I don't mean at every conceivable place in my life. I mean, just to keep it very, very simple. If I could find the willingness to show up at a meeting each day, you know, one meeting per day. And I had um, followed that advice that I heard from many, many people that says, uh, when you first get sober, go to 90 meetings in 90 days. I yeah. absolutely, I made a mission out of that. I made a goal. I kept yeah. track. I didn't miss a day because I believed them. Yeah. I could see in their eyes that what they were saying was true. Yeah. And so I, I did that. And to me, that just, that's what we mean when we say suit up and show up. Yeah. And so if that's all, if, if that's all the willingness that I could have, and sometimes it was, that was enough. Yep. I didn't need to worry about, you know, step nine or whatever. I wasn't on step four or five at first. I didn't need to worry about that stuff. I just needed to be willing to show up. And yeah. that is the willingness to do the work. Yeah, absolutely. It's there's so much to be said for the suiting up and showing up. I mean, that sounds trivial, but it is really actually a very deep um, concept. And basically, I think what that means to me is I'm committed to this path. You know, I'm going to yeah. keep showing up and putting myself on the path. And some days it might be, you know, more enthusiastically than others, but um, it means I'm not going to drop off the path. I'm not going to stop. I'm, you know, I'm going to get myself, I'm going to put myself where the recovery is happening. Let's put it that way. Whether that's on the phone with my sponsor or at a church service or, you know, uh, on my knees praying or at a meeting, whatever it is, I'm going to keep putting myself in that place where the recovery is happening and be willing. And the good thing is that we don't, I found that I don't have to, if I keep suiting up and showing up, I don't have to go and seek out what the next thing is for me to do. The universe will just keep putting it on a plate and handing it to me, basically. Here you go. Next assignment. Next assignment. You know, if I'm engaged in life and doing things and suiting up and showing up also means to me to be in a certain level of awareness, right? So if I'm aware, I'm becoming every day more aware of what's happening in my life, what my, be, my own behavior, um, what, you know, what things are, um, what character defects and issues are sort of, you know, creating whatever current problem I'm having, then the next assignment just keeps becoming clearer and clearer and clearer because I'm suiting up and it's, it's basically, it's like saying participating in life, you know, Whereas complacency would be sort of not participating or in avoiding yeah. any participation that might bring things up. Um, I just kept putting myself, you know, I put myself in the therapist's office, you know, and just kept putting myself in places where the recovery and the spiritual growth was happening. And I didn't have to figure out what to do next because it just kept being indicated to me. Yeah, that's a real gift of showing up. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember sort of discovering that somewhere along the way without even realizing what, what it was but that if I just keep showing up then yep. it's abundantly clear what I need to do next yep. to the yep. point where I no, I don't even I didn't even notice 
that it was happening. That's how consistent it was. And I love that phrase. I don't think I've ever heard that, that I put myself where the recovery is happening. Do you know I just came up with that right now? (laughs) Better trademark that quick. No, that, that I really like that. That I think that very well describes the process. And you talked about being committed to the path. I think that is critical too. That really spoke to me. The idea that says, I'm not committing to this action or that action. I'm committed to walking this path, which means that whatever comes up along the way, I'm committed to doing it. Now I may avoid it for a while. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm going to do everything right away. No, of course. Certainly not going to do everything right. I'm not even going to think about what that might mean, but I'm committed to the path. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I realize also, as we're speaking, that um, I don't need to be 100% willing to do something, right? I only need to be 51% yeah. willing. I just need to be a little more willing than I'm than unwilling. Not. And, you know, when I was in school, 51% would get you an F, right? <laughs> but in recovery, 51% gets you an A. That's right. That is enough. That is enough yep. to show up. Um I'm reminded willingness to do the work also means trusting God, you know, kind of that's one place I can find the willingness in a sense, uh, means being willing to act as if, you know, we talk about acting as if, which at first sounded disingenuous to me, but what I realized that it actually means, it it doesn't mean pretend I'm something I'm not. It means practice being something that I want to become. Want to be, exactly. Right. Yep. So I'm not I'm not trying to pull a fast one on anyone, and I'm not trying to pretend to be something I'm not. Right. I am starting to walk and talk and act like yes. a sober person because I want yep. to be That's a sober right. person. So we act, act as if. Yeah. And, and then finally on my list here is putting my sobriety first. Mm-hmm. You know, I was willing to put my sobriety first. And maybe that's just another way of, of saying what you shared so beautifully about being committed to the path. Mm-hmm. Putting sobriety first is being committed to the path. Now, I don't remember when I decided to do that because my brain was probably not working very well when I did. But I do know I have never stopped being committed to putting my sobriety first. I'm so yeah. used to it now. I didn't have to think about it yeah. anymore. I don't have to say, hmm, is my sobriety first in my life today? It's always first, always. Yeah. Everything I do is somehow ties back to that priority. Yeah. I used to have a um, sponsor that would say, if I'd say I'm not willing, she'd say, well, are you willing to be willing? Yeah. And it sounds silly, but it's just like removing myself just that little, okay, I can be willing to be, sometimes I had to be willing to be willing to be willing. But like you say, all spirit needs is that, that 1% over the, you know, to push you. Yeah. It's just the that door just being cracked. <laughs> yes, the mustard seed. Exactly. But that's a relief. We don't have to be like, oh, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so willing. No, you just have to have just enough willingness and exactly. God will work for you. And thank God that that's true, because that's why I'm here. But let's hold that thought, because it is time for a short break. And we, uh, we, we come back, we'll continue the conversation. So please stay with us. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages 
This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back indeed. We are glad that you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jalench. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. So prior to the break, we were discussing first uh, that that habit of complacency, of avoidance and procrastination, of things that are really tough for us to face. Then we started talking about willingness and the willingness to actually do the work and how, you know, what that willingness looks like. So now we're going to bring it all together and talk about how the willingness to do the work helped us move into freedom, which is, you know, we were talking before the show, that's ultimately what we want, right? Happy, joyous, and free with a underline under the free. We want to move into freedom. So how does that work or how did it work? Well, the first thing that comes to mind, especially when I think back to early recoveries, the community, the recovery yeah. community. So I talked before about, you know, willing to do the work meant willing to show up and yeah. showing up you know, primarily meant showing up at meeting. It also meant, you know, later showing up to meet with my sponsor when I had a sponsor and, and when we agreed. But, you know, the first piece of it was willingness to show up at a meeting, which is willingness to step into a community. Now, there, there were several possibilities of places I could go, but and I found the meetings that I liked best, and I started going back to those. So I, I just by showing up, uh, you know, became part of the community there. So the willingness to show up um, brought me into a supportive community like I had never known before. I had never, ever been a part of anything even remotely like a recovery community. It is the most amazing, annoying, growth-supporting. It, it, it's everything under the sun all combined into one thing. It is an ideal personal growth environment. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm just, I, I loved it from the beginning and I will always be forever grateful for it. So my willingness to, to do the work brought me to the community and the community right away brought a sense of freedom that I had never had before. Freedom to express myself and not have to put on a show not have to get a good score or whatever, you know, not have to impress anyone or get a good grade. I could just share what was on my mind or on my heart and then move on to the next person. And that's all that I needed to do. So it had, a, I guess, acceptance is a big part of what I'm talking about, being accepted by the group as just another uh, drunk on the bus, you know, yeah. just like everybody else. I fit in there perfectly just like everybody did and yeah. that and, and that brought freedom just you know because I could relax I could relax and just be myself and it was such a supportive environment that it made that easy and I appreciate that freedom yeah you know you really made me think it 12-step recovery groups really are a quite remarkable magical sort of 
place to be. You know, where else in our society are you going to find a bunch of people, as we like to say, telling on ourselves, right? Basically sharing the ways in which we are not perfect, the things that we're working on about ourselves and sharing them openly, sharing, you know, I screwed up or I did this or I did that. I feel crappy about this or that or this is the character defect I'm I'm grappling with right now. Where else are people that raw and honest and um you know really facing their flaws and the things that are you know difficult to face and then whenever I would you know sort of tell on myself you know or say this is what this is what I see myself doing. This is what I'm working on. Immediately, like three other people would say, oh, I do that too. Or, oh, I have that thing too. And that's the beauty of that group process because I had so much shame around being less than perfect because I really felt like I had to be perfect. Um, And when I would find ways that I wasn't perfect and then other people would say, well, I'm imperfect in that way too. It, chipped away at my shame just enough for me to be willing to continue looking to continue digging and uncovering because that's really what the whole process is right it's an uncovering um, becoming aware of that which we were unaware and that group process is just so wonderful because we relate to one another and um it's like okay i'm imperfect too let's be imperfect together i don't know any other place in in our culture where people are being so brutally honest and just being who they are and authentic and um doing it together and supporting one another it's where i learned to be authentic you know it really is where i learned to be authentic because I was following the example of others. Others were being authentic and we were safe um, doing that with one another. It's really a beautiful thing. It is. Safe is a good word for it too. Yeah. Uh, when uh, When I think about how willingness to do what needs to be done helped lead me to freedom, I think about how it, um, you know, p- part of the willingness to do the work is the willingness to look at what I had been avoiding. Yes. Looking at. yes. Much of which I was honestly not even really aware of. Yeah. You know, a- awareness, uh, in my experience, my awareness has grown over time. Um, right. And it, th- that's probably good because if I were somehow aware of everything all at once, I don't, you know, I think no. my brain would cave, cave in or something yeah. like that. I don't even know what, but the willingness to look at what I had been avoiding was the part of the path, if you will, or a way to look at the path of helping me to get into integrity, right? So integrity simply meaning that I'm the same on the outside as I am on the inside. Yeah. And that is my goal. I don't, yeah. I don't claim to have that a hundred percent, but uh, I'm certainly, uh, that's much truer now for me than it had ever been in my life because I was willing to look at the stuff I didn't want to look at because others in the community were doing it. And I saw that they were doing, and I thought I can do this too. And they told me you can do this too. Yeah. And by doing that, that helped me, you know, sort of begin to tear down the wall between how I am on the inside and how I show up on the on the outside and that right there is freedom i don't know i don't know that i have a good way to describe that and maybe if i kept chasing down that wall analogy you know i'm trapped 
behind this wall of my inner experiences never expressed outwardly because that would not be okay. It's not safe mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. tell people what's really going on. That's mm-hmm. what I had gotten somewhere along along the way. But when I when I realized that I need to, you know, in order to live, I need to. And all these other people are doing this too. And I can do it also. And when I do it, that wall starts to come down and, and there's freedom in it. I don't know any yeah. other way to describe it. It's, it's, uh, it's liberating. And in a way it's exhilarating, you know, all this energy that went into maintaining that difference all of a sudden became freed up. Yeah. There's the word free again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that, you know, just being willing to look at what I didn't want to look at brings me to freedom. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and I'm thinking about all the people in my life, in um, both in recovery programs and in um, Unity, because I got involved in Unity very early in recovery. Um, there were people with whom it was safe for me to be real and to be authentic and to, you know, you talked about not wanting to, sh- you know, share those things inside those for me it was basically those those feelings of not being good enough not being lovable um there were people in my life um a sponsor my my current uh senior minister and ongoing mentor and dear friend vicky elder you know people that i was able to like really really be raw with and just be like this is what's inside me inside me there's this yucky this oozing black gunk that thinks I'm just a piece of crap, you know, and people that I could really be real like that with and that loved me and held a space for that realness. um, That's really what was healing to me and really helped me a lot. And so I was thinking that, you know, maybe everybody doesn't have that extent of yucky gunk inside them as I did. I hope that people don't. But some of us do have that. And you were talking about, look, you know, the things that we avoid looking at. And I think I avoided looking at things that were too painful, right? But the thing is, is avoiding looking at them was also painful, was also yeah. causing me pain. The ways that I was trying to protect myself from the pain were also causing me pain and keeping me in the pain. So I hate to keep saying that pain was such a motivator for me, but it was like finally more painful to not face it than it was to keep all the stuff I had built up around it to protect it. So for me, the key was the willingness to go through the pain in order to get to the other side. And what I ended up finding was I had already been in so much pain from all the things I was doing to try to not be in pain that there really wasn't that much more pain there to be had. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) and so if I could just face it, if I could just go into the darkness just for a bit with someone that I'm safe with, I found out it wasn't, it was big, it was painful, it wasn't fun, but it wasn't that much worse than what I'd already been doing to myself. Um, And what a relief, too. Yeah. Talk about drop the rock, you know, drop the boulder that we've been carrying around. Until I set it down, I didn't realize how much it weighed. Yeah, exactly. And when I did set it down, only then did I realize what all the energy that had been going into carrying this. It's sort of like the boogeyman under the bed, right? And you're avoiding the boogeyman. But as soon as you just look at the boogeyman straight in the face, he starts to dissolve. 
and but yeah. it's it's definitely a process. It's not like some it's not like a one and done. It's an ongoing process of peeling away of layers and layers. But there have been a couple of moments when I was like really looking that boogeyman straight in the face. Yeah. And I'm getting very metaphorical today, but the boogeyman will if you can be strong enough, the boogeyman will back down because we are infinitely yeah. stronger than this personified shadow thing that is lurking around. We are stronger. And if we can really look it in the face, it will back down and we will prevail. Right. It, it can only live in the shadow. In fact, exactly. Because yep. when it's out in the light, it, it falls apart very exactly. quickly. You know, yep. I'd heard somewhere along the line, the analogy of a soap bubble, like something that looks like a solid wall. Like if I walk into that, I'm going to get hurt. Yeah. Uh, but you go up to it and you look at it and you realize, wait a second, this is not a solid, solid a wall as I thought it was. Yeah. This doesn't look quite like it did. And you reach out with one finger and touch it, and it yeah. disappears Good. like it's a soap bubble. Yep. Like, oh, my God. Are you telling me the whole time all I needed to do was to be willing to look at this? And you said yep. something that I resonate with that I think is really important. Willing to look at this in a safe environment. Yes. With, a, with people who can be there with me. I don't mean literally like every time I talk about something, but who are walking no. the path with me is what I yes. mean. Yeah. And and then I can reach out and, and touch it and boom, then it's gone. Yep. Like, like it never existed. It was just, it's the most amazing experience. It's, it's almost like, and you know, this is a, uh, a little earthy, but you know, if you get, if you eat something bad or you have a stomach bug or something, you just feel like terrible all over. It's like, Oh my God, achy. And then if you finally actually go puke or whatever, it's like, Oh my God, I feel like 800 times better. <laughs> just from, it's like that. It's that fast. Yeah. You get it out and yeah. all of a sudden it's gone and you can yeah. really feel the lightness. I can feel the lightness of it being gone. Yeah. It's you know, like it turns out that the repressing of it was a big part of the problem. Right. Yeah, right. It all gets bound up together. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause there was a time when that was good and right. But like a lot of things, uh, you know, I, I keep doing, I keep applying my solutions that I arrived at when I was very, very young. I keep applying them through my entire life, even when it'd be so much easier just to let the whole thing go. But that that's that's easier said than done. But that is a gift of recovery. And that's a gift of being dedicated to walking the path. So willingness to do the work back to that um, in lots of ways, you know, brought me to a recovery community, which showed me a whole new way of living. And that new way of living was had a tremendous amount of freedom in it. Yes. So once again, willingness leading me to the program, to the path, I'll just call it, mm -hmm. which inherent in that is freedom. It's just, again, it's our theme for today, right? How does, how is, we're asking, how did willingness to, to do the work help me get out of complacency and into freedom? Because it just does. Yeah. That's why yeah. it just does. If I get up and put one foot in front of the other, I don't need to know how it all works. I don't need to know where all this is going. Yeah. I just need to know that, A, I'm committed to this path, and I'm putting one foot in front of the other, and the freedom just starts showing up. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of what I was saying before, that, you know, if we are committed to the path, the path will unfold itself before us. Yes. You know, I'm thinking about when I 
got the, you know, so-called call to ministry. And the day that I made that decision, there was a moment, yes, I'm going to say yes to this call. I'm going to go to seminary. I'm going to do this. And my uh, mentor, Vicki, said to me, you know, everything that happens to you from here on out is going to be part of your training. Yeah. And darned if that bleepity bleep didn't start right away man right away and it was like the path just unfolded before me I didn't have to go and figure out like what what stuff I needed to work on in myself it just kept getting handed to me on a plate and so there's there's you know this willingness to be engaged in the process as long as I am engaged in the process the work just keeps showing up if I'm aware and I'm paying attention and I'm willing the work just keeps showing up. And so, you know, we like to talk a lot in recovery about doing the next right thing or even just doing the next indicated thing. Um, I know it's really easy for us, especially for myself, to want to get out in the future. Now I look back and I'm like, thank God I didn't know what was coming. You know, we only need to handle yeah, what's in front of us. <laughs> You know, because it ultimately all was okay, but if I'd known all of it back then, I probably would have just said, forget it, you know, but we only need to be involved, I mean, engaged in the process and willing to do the next thing in front of us. What is, what is facing me right now? And if I can sort of stay in that, you know, not get way out in the future, not worrying how it's all going to shake down, but just okay, right now it looks like the universe is asking me to work on this particular thing. I'm going to, I have the willingness to answer that call. I'm going to do that. And then I get through that and it's like next assignment, next assignment. And it just keeps coming. And, you know, life can be pretty overwhelming. It can be really overwhelming for me. So that willingness to just do the next thing is really important. It's really helped me a lot. And I'm grateful to the people that have reminded me when I get into, you know, what am I going to do? And I had my life and I got to figure this all out. And people said to me, just do the next thing. You know, that it's kind of counterintuitive because we want to get out there and figure out how it's all going to work out. But um, those reminders to just do what's in front of you and the rest will unfold. And it really does. You know, I have enough to handle with just what's in front of me right now. Can I do Absolutely. the next thing in front of me in integrity and in love? Yeah. And yeah, yeah that's all I got to worry about. Don't we read don't don't worry about tomorrow. Yes. Don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to yep. eat. Everything's taken care of. You got enough to occupy yourself in today. Yep. To paraphrase the master teacher. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, another way willingness um has helped me move to freedom is, is that, and again, by, by being willing to show up and do the work. And as you're describing one, one step at a time, even I don't need to know what's four steps down the road. It's yeah. probably going to change anyway, if yeah. I pretended that I did know. And so if I'm willing to do that, what, what, what happens is that that allows me to move at what for me is the, what I'm just going to call the right pace yeah. Right. The right speed. What does right mean? I don't mean correct, like right. compared to some outside metric. I mean, what is right for me? Mm -hmm. Appropriate, comfortable, makes sense for me to move at the right pace and realize this is not a race to get done. Right. This is not a competition. It has nothing to do with what anyone else is or is not doing. Right. And and that took a while. 
I'm not saying that I immediately kind of got all that. I did not immediately no. get all that. But from putting one foot in front of the other, eventually I found that uh, I realized this is not a race. I can move at my own pace and that this is not a competition and it has nothing to do with what others are doing or not doing. And just in that alone, what I just said, it's not a race. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. Oh, what? Oh, my gosh. Talk about the freedom in that. Yeah. And taking my eyes, getting to the place where I can genuinely say to the world, what you think of me is none of my business, which is a very nice way to say another way I have. I'm a three. You're killing me right now. (laughs) What you think of me is none of my business. I don't give a flip what you think of me. There's so much freedom in that. And it's not because I don't care. I do care. I care about other people. I don't care what they think of me. That has nothing to do with me. That's them. Man, it took me forever to get to to that point. But man, is it worth it. What What a gift. What freedom. All because I was willing to do the work. I mean, it's it's literally that simple. Yeah, that's one I'm still working on. I still care what people think about me. I probably care less than I used to, but yeah. that's one of the ones that has been a process for me. But it's a, partly a function of my personality, you know. Um, and so I had to learn that, you know, I had to have the willingness to be imperfect, to learn that it was okay to make mistakes. This was yeah. such a concept to me. I thought everybody was perfect, you know, and so I thought I had to be perfect. And so I had to be willing to be humble enough to not be perfect because I never was perfect, but I had to let that image of myself as being perfect get shattered mm-hmm. and willing to love myself and let God love me and let others love me in my imperfection. That was kind of the process for me of being willing to look at some of my character defects was like, I had to get over the idea that I even had character defects, you know, that I wasn't perfect and be willing to be like our program says, to be one of the group, to be a human among humans, you know, to be flawed, just like everyone else. I had this overinflated sense of self coupled with low self-esteem. It wasn't pretty. (laughs) I understand. Well, let's move on. You know, we've said a whole lot about all of this and let's step way back if we can and see if we can find a simple way to sum it all up. So here's, here's how we do that. Uh, Reverend Michelle, if someone came to you and asked you saying, you know, in a nutshell, Reverend Michelle, I think I'm willing to do the work to, I think I'm willing to work for my sobriety, but what exactly do I need to do? What does that mean? What does that look like? What would you say if you had one minute? Well, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I would say what I just was saying, that just do the next indicated thing. Life, you know, once you've committed to the path, once you've sort of given the universe permission to work on you, it's a way to look at it, you know, you've said, okay, I, I'm I'm going to do this recovery process. Um, it starts handing you things. And so if you can just be aware and alert and awake and pay attention and show up, that's really all you need to do. Just be as willing as possible to be awake and look at what's happening, look around you and see what is showing up, see what the universe is compelling you to do next. And um, the universe will give you your next assignment. There is no doubt about it. But the key is staying engaged and staying on the path and staying alert and awake and willing. Yeah, I hear show up and awareness. 
Yep. And I totally agree. Those are the key elements. Well, if someone asked, asked me if someone said they're willing to work, but what exactly do I need to do? I'm going to say what you've heard a million times already and yep. what I've heard a million times already. And the reason I'm going to give this answer is not because it's unique and special. It's because it's true yeah. and it works. Go to 90 meetings in 90 days. Yeah. Join a home group. Get a sponsor. Work the steps with that sponsor. That's yeah. it. If You can write that down. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Gonna, and if you do those things... The door will be open. You will know what to do next. Yep. And then just like you were sharing before, what do I do next? Well, what's right in front of my face? That's what yep. I do next. Yeah. It's it's not a grand thing. It's a simple thing. It's what's right in front of me. But if I'm willing to uh, go to 90 meetings in 90 days, join a home group, get a sponsor, work the steps with that sponsor, then it'll all come together. Yes, absolutely. So here is an affirmation to sort of put all that in there and affirm it and affirm that it is so. Trusting God, I do what is mine to do and I am free. Yeah, I, I love the freedom. Trusting God, I do what is mine to do and I am free. It doesn't get any better than that, <laughs> I have to tell you. Yeah. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery. Uh, at least we like to think of it that way. But feel free. You can message us on Facebook and burst our bubble if you want. <laughs> That'll be fine. We but can if, take it. If you're still listening, we are so very grateful that you have been here. We hope that you have found something in all of our chattering today that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, of course, again and always for our discussion. And thank you to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. Yes, and listeners, as always, you are invited to connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Give us your comments, your thoughts, and feedback. We'd really love to hear from you. So we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, my advice to you, don't drink like my co-host. And whatever you do, don't drink like my co-host. Mm -mm. Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark, on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts. 
and ignite your best life.